Welcome back, Tomb Believers, to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. It's episode 66 of the show, and you know what that means. We're celebrating the greatest year of pop culture, 1966. We're talking about... What, J- J- James? What? Yeah? James, our, our comics today are from 1974. Oh. So, we're not... Obviously, episode 66 is the episode in which Order 66 gets implemented and Cravely's army of evil clones comes to kill us both. Oh, so no Batman? <laughs> uh, alas, no Batman. No Star Trek? Uh, I don't believe so, no. All right, I'm gonna just going to go barricade a door. Uh, while I do that, why don't, you te- <laughs> why don't you tell them what we're talking about this episode? Sure. So, on this episode of Tomb of Ideas, we're going to be looking at two comics. First up, we've got Tomb of Dracula number 23, Shadows in the Night. And then we've got one of those Marvel horror magazines that we love so much, Vampire Tales number 6 from August 1974. Um, there's a couple stories in that we're going to spend some time talking about. Uh, but first... There is one thing, one bit of business, I guess, that we always take care of first. You know it, you love it. It is the hottest segment in comics podcasting. Okay, I got it pretty well boarded up. It's kind of lucky. It was lucky we had those boards lying around. Uh, I don't even know why we had them. There, there's like a whole other bunk above my bunk. It was weird. Huh. We're talking Hellstrom. Oh, much. shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, faithful listeners, it's been a minute, so there's a lot of Hellstrom Watch stuff to talk about. We're, we're going to hit some highlights, How do we though. know they're faithful listeners? For, like, how do we know they haven't cheated on us with other podcasts? I mean, because comics podcasts are dropping like flies? I want to look through a cell phone right now. <laughs> how many episodes have you actually downloaded, and are you actually a subscriber? Right. It's like, oh, who's this podcast? Huh? Who's this? Right, right. Don't tell me it meant nothing to you. What do you mean, fire and water? <laughs> fire and cheap-ass lipstick, i tell you that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Trey, what do we have in this jam-packed episode of um, Hellstrom Watch? So, uh, since we last recorded, Loki Season 1 wrapped up. Had, okay, let me ask you something. Um, yeah. Had the first episode of Loki even debuted we last recorded? Probably not. Oops. I think we were eagerly <laughs> anticipating it. So, um, yeah. How'd you feel about Loki, Trey? I dug it. I liked yeah. it. Um, um, it it was sort of like if, I don't know, uh, Terry Gilliam had made a Doctor Who series. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, pre- let's pre- play pretend for a minute. So, Trey, do you think, Trey, uh-huh. do you, sorry, do you think Kang's going to show up in the last episode of Loki? 
No, there's no way they would blow that on a TV series. They're going to save that for a movie. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Now, Immortus, on the other hand. Mmm. I don't know, man. I still think it's Mephisto. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. And then we've got Marvel What If. A yeah. A show um, I have been supremely enjoying. I, I am only one episode mm-hmm. in, but I really liked that first Wait, episode, you, so... You've only watched one episode? I've not had time. Ugh. Man, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, the other two of the variants so far are good. Also, also the second episode, I just, like, with it being Chadwick Boseman's final performance, like, I, I wasn't really in the right headspace for that yet, so I was, so I, I put it off. And then by the time it came back around again, I didn't have time to do it, so. Okay, that makes sense. It's good. But. It's good. But even just off that one episode, it's yeah. real good. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Um, Captain Carter. I mean, I'm very glad to hear that we are almost certainly getting more Captain Carter. Yeah, uh, yeah. As I really enjoy the character. Uh, also, the the Marvel Legends figure that's coming out. Oh, there is nice. a figure coming out. Uh, there's a whole what if wave. Ooh. Uh, Captain Carter's in there. I think there's a zombie Captain America. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. I, I, the build a figure is the Hydra Stomper. Oh, that's a good build a figure. I, I think it is. Either that or he's a special edition figure. Uh, uh, I was looking at these the other day. Uh, that's a really good build a figure. And looks like I might be wrong. Um, yeah, it looks like the, build, the the Hydra Stomper is actually not a build a figure. You don't have to buy the whole wave to get it. He's just like an, an oversized figure. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but Hydra Stomper. Captain Carter, uh, Zombie Cap, uh, Sylvie is in the wave because she was not in the Loki wave they did. Um, oh. T'Challa as Star-Lord. Well, that the name of that Spider-Man figure is a bit of a spoiler. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Okay, then. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they all look cool. Yeah, they look really cool. All of them. Um, yeah, so what if? And, and and I love the art style. I like the, the intro. It, it feels very like Marvel Universe Twilight Zone mm-hmm. with uh, with the Watcher as Rod Serling. I, I like the Watcher so much in his show. I like everything about the show so much. Um, I can't talk about this too much because you haven't watched the later episodes, but like the way they yeah, play with yeah. the visuals of the Watcher in later episodes is really good. That's cool. Yeah, that's all I can say. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. A whole bunch of MCU trailers are out. Um, Shang-Chi, which as we record this, I believe comes out next week. Wait, what? Shang-Chi, right? Like, it, it comes out soon. Like, within the next week or so. What? Reviews are already out. How could this be? What do you mean? Like, that applies an amount of time has passed that I was unaware it passed. <laughs> How is this possible? Yeah, Shang-Chi, Leg- Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, release date is September 3rd. That's, like, this coming weekend as we record Holy this. Holy jeez. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there are already reviews out there. I've not read them, because I-, I don't read reviews before I see a thing, but but they're out there. I mean, can I give you the general consensus? I've read some of them. Uh, I mean, mostly what I've seen is positive, like, in terms of, like, headlines and, and just vibes that have been coming out. Yeah, that what I, I mean, I'm not really really ready either. I've just seen the headlines like you have, and it just it's a like if you put any if you put any stock in Rotten Tomatoes, it's already at like ninety one percent. 
based on over 100 reviews. Yeah, and um, Simu Liu has said that the 9% are his parents. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming in a general, when are you getting a real job sort of vibe? Right, right. And, and, and no amount of but I'm a superhero will will address that. Yeah, I mean, you, t- you told us the same thing when you were four, dear. Come on now. <laughs> you were my, so that's you were my best towel. Um, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Yeah. And, and the most recent uh, trailers, TV commercials, like they've really ramped up the marketing, and it looks very good. Good, good, good. It's just... Going back to a movie theater right now is hard for me. Sure, absolutely. That's I, I, If I see it, I'm going to be going to the drive-in. Ooh. Because I'm just not in a place where I, I want to be in a enclosed, poorly ventilated room with a bunch of people. Yeah, to... May or inside in, in may South or may not have gotten a vaccine that I think like fifty percent of our state has not gotten. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we should go. Maybe we should do the drive-in. That that would be. Fun. I, I I mean like, uh, if you if you if, if you if you need me to, I'll strap myself to the roof. I, that's something <laughs> I could do. Right. Uh, we'll see. Like right now, uh, the, the drive-in nearest us, their main screen. This weekend was having technical difficulties. They had to cancel one of their features because oh, of man. it. So hopefully that gets addressed before this movie comes out. Yeah, that'd be... They, they do have two other screens, but like that, that just limits how many things they can show at once, you know? I got you. Dang. Uh, that said, if they're having to choose what they will and will not show, I have a feeling the Marvel movie will be the thing they do yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, which just goes to show the drive-in will never die. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so there's also a brand new teaser for Spider-Man No Way Home. You, you know, I may have heard something about that. Uh, yeah. Really? I, really? I, um, yeah, something, it, it leaked, I think, was what happened. I think like, some people said some things online about it. I think I, yeah, I think there yeah. might have been some hype, some anticipation. Uh-huh. Y- yeah. Yeah. Of course, the, uh, the big news with that teaser was confirmation that the most poorly kept secret in Hollywood is is actually true, and that's that Alfred Molina is in the movie. <laughs> because he was literally walking around just shouting at anyone in earshot, Hey, I'm in Spider-Man! <laughs> yes, we know! No, 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 no! I'm in the new Spider-Man! <laughs> yeah. Uh, but still, seeing him in that costume with the mechanical arms, like... I don't know. Chills, right? It, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, you know, it's evidence. The fact that he is alive right now shows that Kevin Feige does not actually have a army of murderous drones that take out people who <laughs> drop spoilers about films. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we'll never hear from the guy who leaked a trailer ever again. But that's a... Right, right. Those are Sony's killer drones. That's a whole different thing. Of course, uh... At this point, I would not be surprised if Feige is pulling people into rooms and being like, you know, with the deep fake technology that Disney has developed, we don't really need you anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's like, look, we can put Mark Hamill at age 40 in a movie right now without him being anywhere near the set. Do you think we actually need to put up with your leaking? Hey, Sebastian Stan hasn't leaked anything. <laughs> What if Sebastian Stan is a rogue Mark Hamill deepfake (laughs) that gains sentience? No one has actually ever met Sebastian Stan. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, and so in addition to Molina, we've got hints of potentially a, a multiversal Sinister Six. Um, you know, in, in the teaser, there, there's a quick shot of a pumpkin bomb. Uh, there's a flash of lightning that maybe evokes Electro. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been speculating about uh, uh, Sandman or maybe Lizard or, you know, some of the other yep. villains. So. And we get a little bit of hint of a plot of the film with, you know, the repercussions of uh, Peter's identity being revealed to the world at the end of his last film. And Peter going to Stephen Strange uh, to, to possibly um, erase the world's memory of his dual identity. Which seem which yes. seems to be what you know jump starts the whole chaos of the film. Yeah, so we've got effectively a version of one more day mm-hmm. happening. Not one more day. It's like one um, day more or something like that. One day more, something like that. It's it's the one that I'll never read. Yeah. Um, however, we will break into song. One day more. <laughs> another day, another destiny. Another endless road to um, something Marvel-related. Shit, I can't think of anything. Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, which, um, which apparently... Which leads us to a special segment on the show. Um, one we've not done before, but I think is, you know, necessary for this one. Um, it's now time for a very special word with Dr. Stephen Strange. Stephen? Can I call you Stephen? Steven, what the fuck are you doing? See, Spider-Man, I understand. A, he's a teenager. A teenager will rewrite you at reality so he can get a taco for the next five minutes. You are an adult. You are the adult in the room. Jesus Christ, you're a doctor. And supposedly the guardian of, like, all magic in the realm? What the fuck are you doing rewriting reality for a teenager? Because a, te- a teenager ask you nicely. Yes! I get that Tom Holland is a cutie patootie. I get that it's really hard to say no to that face. And you just want to hug him and squeeze him and... I lost my spot. Where was I? Uh, that, uh, that he's cute? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom Holland's really cute. And, and, so, I, I, if I may defend the good doctor for a minute. Go right ahead, Judas. I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy, but... I'm renaming you in my phone, that guy. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy, but are we sure this isn't Mephisto? <laughs> I mean... Because <laughs> in the comic, it was Mephisto. No, well, in the comic, it the one who originally fixes things for him... Well, no, when Stephen Strange is unable to do so, then Mephisto steps in and fixes things. Well, because at that point, at that point, it's really about saving his... his it's saving Aunt May. Yeah, which... Like he, because he gives up his marriage to save Aunt May, and, and the like, forgetting identity thing is sort of collateral damage. Yeah, which has generally been accepted. I think, as you said, to be one of the poorest storytelling decisions in the entirety of Marvel history. Yeah, I, I still don't think it's quite as bad as the other. Oh, the one where they changed his powers around, and he had like the the spikes that came out of his wrists, and, and the organic web shooters, and he sleeped yeah, 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 yeah. Spider and the, God, and yep, yep, yep. Morlin was introduced. The one good thing that came out of that was Morlin, who then became a major villain in Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah. But occasionally, Peter would just bring up, "Oh yeah, I've got these spikes coming on my arms." Yeah, he called it Logan Envy. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, right? The right. writers like, let's make Spider Man more like Wolverine. Wasn't that a wasn't that a Straczynski thing? 
I think that was J- uh, that was J. Michael Straczynski. I don't know. Do you remember that What If where um, Logan teaches Spider-Man how to be an assassin, so he becomes like one of the top Shield assassins? Yes, yes. It's ridiculous. Like the the the, the web shooters fire bullets too now. That makes sense. I could see that. So it's like a web shooter, but also uh, Black Widow's gauntlet all in one. Yeah. Uh, webs from the bottom half, bullets from the top half. Yeah. That checks out. Um, yeah. I, the the one lesson I took away from the teaser trailer was that Wong is never allowed to go on vacation. Yeah. He, he Okay. I, again, I feel like the clips are out of, out of sequence. Like, I think right. things are happening that... Because Marvel likes to fool you with the editing. Yes. And I feel like there's some trickery in the editing of the trailer as well. Like there are people in places in the in the trailer which a lot of people think, you know, are not the people who appeared in the trailer, but actually other people who've been um superimposed over. Well it's like how uh they kept secret that uh that Banner was having trouble transforming into Hulk in Infinity yeah. War. Uh like they, they had shots where it was Hulk in the shot, but then when you see the finished movie it's it's Banner in the the Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, like there's a scene where a woman is sitting in a car, and talking to Peter, and people have done like deep zooms on the footage. I mean, like as you can see here, this woman is not actually in, in a car, but sitting in front of a blue screen, and like, mm. okay, guys, okay, so we, actually this will be Tobey Maguire. Right? Well, I've, I've also seen where people are looking at the uh, the the interrogation scenes that are in the police yes. station. And are and are like well this is this is this this like part of a figure that you can halfway see blurry in the corner of the screen is obviously Matt Murdock yes. because this is the same suit that Charlie Cox is wearing in this other shot. I am ninety nine point nine percent certain. <laughs> I, that is literally what I a quote from somebody. He is ninety nine point nine percent certain. Like okay, man. I, Go for it. I, I mean, sure. Been, I, I've never been ninety nine point nine percent certain of anything in my life, but okay. No, no. I, uh, I I would not bet money on any of these things, but it would be cool if, if any of them end yes. up being true. Yes. Also, this is how we're going to meet the Fantastic Four. <laughs> um, let's see. And then the, the last trailer that, that's worth bringing up, I think, is uh, that there is a, a brand new trailer, since we last recorded at least, for uh, a highly anticipated film that's sort of... We'll say MCU adjacent. That's right. And that's Ghostbusters that's the sequel. Afterlife. What? Yeah. In what way is that Marvel adjacent? <laughs> I like Marvel and I like Ghostbusters. <laughs> so, so you are the connecting tissue. Here. Yes. That's how this works. Okay. Okay. No. What we're talking about is Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh fuck you! No, we're not. We're talking about the Eternals. God damn it! <laughs> get that! Get that! Get that, Venom, get that! Get that black symbiote shit out of here. We, let's talk. It looks let's fun. talk about the Eternals. We is the Eternals Fine. in your notes tray? Somewhere, probably. Yes. You see, I just skipped, skipped it, it. <laughs> because I because my brain sees Eternals and it just goes blank. I'm sorry. It's happened since like the. I started reading comics. <laughs> I've never been able to look at Eternals and understand it. I mean, they have like it's literally. It was actually the first. One, it was the first one on the list for trailers, <laughs> and my brain automatically skipped over it. Um, apologies to Jack Kirby and Neil Gaiman and anyone else who has ever done good work with the Eternals. 
I've just never been able to care. See, that's how you know that you <laughs> nothing's going to be done. The only names you can come up with are Jack Kirby and Neil Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> I said and anyone else. Um, it looks pretty. Sure. Uh, okay, I will. I will say this: the new trailer is better than the yeah. first trailer. Uh, it looks. I mean, in that there are characters. Yeah. The first trailer didn't no. have those. Uh, so I, I'm excited about the possibilities offered by by this sort of different way into cosmic marvel like the the shot of the celestial is okay cool. yeah the celestial is cool um uh dane whitman yep. is cool we get a little we get a brief I, glimpse of dane whitman yeah i, I like him played by, played uh, by kit harrington yep um yep. It, based on the all the expeditions being sent to him he apparently still knows nothing yep um and you know they're they're doing their best to explain why these godlike characters didn't do anything to stop any of the major global disasters that threatened the Earth over the last yeah, 10, 15 godlike, years. These godlike beings apparently have, like, Superman-level powers. Right. I mean, to be fair... I mean, granted, granted, if a Celestial told me not to interfere with anything, I would probably go mad from having witnessed its presence, <laughs> but, you know. Okay, here, here are the things I take away from that trailer. Mm-hmm. Hey, cool, Dane Whitman! Hey, cool, a celestial! <laughs> hey, cool, a cousin of me for my birthday! And that was it. The, I, I think the tone is better this time. It's not quite as, like, melodramatic. There's some mm-hmm. humor there, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, joke, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it it remains to be seen. Like, they haven't really done a lot to establish what a deviant is or why we should care. No. It, and that'll come. That'll come with, with another, you know, there's going to be at least two more trailers plus TV spots, this, this, you know. This Pan's Labyrinth-looking motherfucker right here, you know. Right. Um, so we'll see. It, But, like I say, it's an uphill climb, because it's the Eternals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I can't do the new gods anymore, so here are my new new gods. Right, right. Um, and, you know, it's not that Marvel has never pulled off an uphill climb before. Who would have thought that Guardians of the Galaxy would be awesome? Me after the first trailer. Sure. Yes. And here's the problem. I'm still not convinced about the Eternals. Yeah. Because yeah, well, here's, here's, yeah. here's the thing. Just like you said, I have read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic and enjoyed it before. The Abnet mm-hmm. and Landing stuff is fantastic. Yep. I have read Eternals comics, and I cannot tell you what happened in them. I am told I have read some Eternals Yeah, I know comics. I've read the Neil Gaiman stuff. And, I, and Okay, yeah. and to be fair... I liked Cersei yeah. in the Avengers when she was sure. in a relationship with Dane Whitman because right, I really liked right. Dane Whitman. And it does look like that relationship is going to be central to the Good, film. Because otherwise, I'd have a hard time caring. Like I have a feeling Dane Whitman, Dane Whitman is going to be the like audience perspective character, like our way into getting to know the Eternals and learning what their deal is. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. But oof, it's going to be a climb, guys. Yeah. So, are you sure you wouldn't rather talk about Venom? Because I mean, it looks fun, com- comparatively I've speaking. not watched the trailer. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's directed by Andy Serkis. I've not watched the trailer, Mr. Lawson. Okay. I, d- okay. Just, I, uh... I actually think, the, I actually think the, the first trailer was better, in terms of, like, nailing this quirky, campy tone. But the, the new trailer shows a lot more footage of the symbiotes, so, you know. Okay, quick question. Have you watched the first Venom yeah. film yet? Me no. neither. Yeah, 
I should do that before the sequel comes yeah, out. I, I feel like it's something we, we keep promising people <laughs> that we're going to do. <laughs> Someday. Someday my symbiote will come. <laughs> um, in addition to that, uh, there are several Marvel movies currently in production yep. that we've been getting bits and pieces of information. Uh, the Marvels is in production uh, with... Uh, uh, Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau and the new Ms. Marvel all being involved. Which reminds me, we might be getting the Ms. Marvel series this year as well. I've heard talk of that, Because, yeah. like, there's a window there between Hawkeye, between What If Ending and Hawkeye Beginning, mm-hmm. which some people think they're going to fit Ms. Marvel in there. It's possible. It depends on if the effects are ready. Because I know it's been in production long enough that the episodes themselves are probably yeah. shot, but it's whether the effects are ready. Because so, so there's a lot of de- there's a lot of Marvel stuff coming down to shoot. We've got yeah three movies. Yeah. So so Shang Chi is this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, we've got Eternals, mm-hmm. um, and I guess Spider Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, we've got the rest of What If. We've got Hawkeye. Yep. Starting before the end of the year, and possibly Miss Marvel as well. We've got a Mm -hmm. lot coming. Yeah, and and of course, Multiverse of Madness is uh, what early twenty twenty two. Is it? I think it is. Jeez Louise! Because they it and Spider Man basically filmed back to back. I think. Wow. You know what I would love if they surprise us and Spider Man shows up in Multiverse of Madness. Which mm-hmm. would mean... Um, for what it's worth, March 25th is multiverse. Okay, it's still relatively early 2022. Which would yeah. mean that Sam Raimi is directing Spider-Man again. This is true. This is true. Uh, and... Um, oh, and it's, the reason I bring up Multiverse of Madness is... Uh, rumor has it... You know that... we don't listen to rumors on this tro- show, Trey. Huh. Really? Oh, no, I meant the, I meant the album rumors. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, what I'm talking about is the uh, reports that Patrick Stewart's Professor X might cameo. Say what? Uh, there, are, there are rumors currently that Patrick Stewart may have filmed a cameo for Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> because Multiverse. Uh, uh, I, uh, uh, uh. And they're all one big happy Disney family now. Yeah, but why are they bringing Picard into this Marvel? I don't understand. <laughs> Professor Xavier. Uh-huh. Founder and leader of the X-Men. Oh, right. Oh, wait. I thought he was a dude, like a little, like you know, a fit, uh, like you know, a dude, little skinny dude with like um, long dark hair. Oh, oh, so you're thinking of the the fawn from Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, yeah, yeah. They they shaved him for that part. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Uh, but yeah, so so that apparently there will be at least a suggestion of, of mutants in Multiverse of Madness, which would be interesting. Yes, it would be. Um, and also in terms of production stuff, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is currently filming, and on-set photos have revealed Dominique Thorne, who is playing Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. Although, go, move, rewinding a bit to Multiverse of Madness real quick, I, yeah, I will point yeah. out... That there were people who swore up and down that they shot scenes with Magneto at the end of WandaVision. This is true. I remember that. And there was too. leaked footage. Right, right, right. So, 
take with the grains of salt the size of the Van Allen belt. 100%. Um, I I would, honestly, if if they're going to do anything mutant-related in Multiverse of Madness, I just want, like, a single quick background shot of, like, Deadpool tiptoeing out of a portal and sneaking away into the MCU. Yeah, that works for me. (laughs) And just nobody acknowledges it. Like, Deadpool visits a whorehouse in the 1920s, and that's how we got all the mutants... No, 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 just like 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 multiversal portals or whatever are opening up and, and people popping out, and like one of them is just Deadpool sneaking out, and no one notices that he sneaks into the, the MCU, and that is why Deadpool is in the MCU. I mean, that's fine, but I just like my Deadpool is the father of all mutants theory now. <laughs> Deadpool is the Wold Newton event for the Marvel Universe mutants. <laughs> uh, which would make the mutants like a multiversal event themselves. Yes. For any of our listeners who aren't aware, look up the Wold Newton universe. It's 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 a fun it's a fun time fun waste of your afternoon. <laughs> yeah, one of the early examples of a shared universe. Yep. Um, but uh, but yeah. So also, like I said, uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever production has begun, and uh, as was previously rumored, it looks like Riri Williams, aka Ironheart, will play a role in the plot because the actress playing that character, Dominic Thorne, is currently on set. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah. I just, I'm really concerned how they're going to handle the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it's hard to say. Everyone involved seems excited about the script. Okay. Um, Is it just like... Also, also, Martin Freeman has a beard now. Hold up. I have a joke I have a uh-huh. joke here, but I have to look up the name of the wife from Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Just leave that all in. <laughs> Just uh, uh, allow me to rephrase. <laughs> Martin Martin Freeman has grown facial hair for the role. Oh, okay, right. Uh, he calls it his blip beard. That, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, we now know his character was not blipped, as it were. Yep. Yep. He was off somewhere working within the government during yep. all of that. Okay. Um. In addition to that, also somewhat Ironheart-related, is uh, Armor Wars now has a head writer, oh. uh, Yas- Yasir Lester, uh, who's an actor, screenwriter, and comedian. What would I know him from? Uh, he was, uh, as an actor, he was on Girls, I think, on HBO. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm not super familiar with his Yeah, work. it's a little more of his writing. Uh, let's see. Uh, he... Looks like I haven't really seen any of his stuff, but that's probably my fault. Yeah, he was in an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so I'm sure I've seen that. Yeah. Um, Only things I'm watching right now are old episodes of Star Trek. Fair enough. But but in any case, uh, Armor Wars has a, a head writer, which is, and I think he's also an executive producer now. So, you know, that's a good thing moving forward. Looking forward to having a roadie-centric series. Anyway. Um, speaking of uh, things coming out of Disney Plus stuff... Uh, Anthony Mackie is officially set to star in Captain America 4. Uh, he has signed on. They've made the That's deal. That's good. Uh, Captain America 4 is being written by uh, Malcolm Spellman, who is who was the head writer on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, and it's being co-written by a staff writer on that show, uh, Dalen Musan. Uh, and the director is Kari Skogland. That's nice. You know, you're, ta- you're saying, like, speaking of things coming out of Marvel+, Plus. I, I thought you were going yeah. to talk about Muppet Haunted Mansion for a second there. That 
is not Marvel related, but it is exciting. Wait, so, like we're a Marvel podcast or something. <laughs> uh, although another uh, similarly spooky thing is that the latest uh, reports are that Marvel is working on a Werewolf by Night Halloween special for next year. Yeah, so supposedly they're looking for a Hispanic actor to play the lead. Yes, yes, yes. Which I think you also told me that they're taking inspiration from the recent miniseries. There was a miniseries in 2020, which was uh, co-written by Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas. And and in it, the main character is Jake Gomez, who's a, a Native American werewolf from Arizona. So, not Hispanic. Well, or probably his with a name yeah, like Gomez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of sucks. We probably won't see our favorite bisexual Jack Russell on screen anytime soon. This is true. This is true. But you know, we could still hold out hope for Buck Owen. I, I would not be mad if if Buck just happened to be like on vacation in Arizona or something. Who we cast as Buck Owen? Oh. Um. Hmm. hmm. That's a tough one. How about Woody Harrelson? He's not doing anything right now. You mean other than Venom 2? He's not doing anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, it'll be fun to see if, you know, the best character in the Marvel Universe, Buck Cohen, does indeed show up in that series. Yes, yes. Um, also, Disney Plus, Moon Knight is in production. It is filming. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, congratulations. I am very. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've heard the squeeze. Yep, and, and there, there are those uh, leaked photos of what appear to be uh, his costume. Yeah, which look very nice. Looking all like a mummy. <laughs> I mean, I, I would not be surprised if his costume goes through like an evolution over the course mm. of the series. Maybe starting out looking especially Raggy. like. Egyptian yeah. mummy-like, yeah. And then he gets some upgrades, uh, maybe some stolen Stark tech, you know. I mean, he is, like, a multimillionaire, okay, so. Fine. And former arms dealer, or and something. And a taxi driver. Mercenary. Yes. Uh, and and uh, Ethan Hawke is playing the villain. They're being very tight-lipped about who the villain mm-hmm. is. Uh, but I've also seen suggestions that maybe the character Midnight is involved. He was an early Moon Knight villain from the, the first run of his solo series. No. Oh. Um, and and is sort of a, a just he's sort of a costumed thief in the original version, uh, but he ends up having a son who shows up later, uh, and and he the the son ends up being more interesting as a character. Like Moon Knight tries to take him on as a sidekick for a while, and then that doesn't work out. Yeah. So sidekicks in the Marvel universe rarely do. Yeah. But he took him on as a sidekick in, like, the most half-hearted way possible. Like, he didn't even have his own costume. He just wore one of the other spare Moon Knight costumes. So he wore, like, a second-hand so, Moon Knight costume? He, yeah, like, literally just one of the other Moon Knight costumes from the closet. Like, Aren't they all the same? They looked identical. Yes. <laughs> so you basically had Moon Knight and a slightly shorter Moon Knight. It was sort of like early, early Wally West... Mm-hmm. When he just wore a tiny replica of Barry's oh, costume. Oh god, I remember that, yeah. Like, before the colors got inverted? Let's be clear, though. It is not worse than the time that Spider-Man had a sidekick. Probably not. I don't even remember that. Okay. I assumed... I thought you might remember Frogman. Frog, oh, yeah, Frogman yeah. was great. I remember Frogman. 
But there was yeah. also Alpha. Oh, I do remember Alpha. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that no, was it wasn't. Good. It just it was bad. Yep. 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 So, one last thing that that I've got on the list here is not uh, TV or movie related, but there's a new Marvel video game that's been announced. Oh, really? That's nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so, the developers of the XCOM series, which is a tactics-based sci-fi action okay. game, uh, they're working on a Marvel game that's called Min- Midnight Suns. Well, that might be relevant to our interests. Right? So, it features, at minimum, Captain America, Iron Man, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, Blade... Ghost Rider. I've seen some suggestions that magic from the X-Men is in it. Uh, so, sort of a combination of the Avengers-y characters you would expect and the magic and horror-based characters that the title Midnight Suns would suggest. Okay. Early reports suggest that the villain may be Lilith. Not the Lilith we're going to talk about later this episode, though. The other Lilith. Okay. Uh, the, mo- the mother of all demons. And not the Lilith who's been on our show. Right, right. I, I would, I would hope that she is not a villain in a Marvel game. Oh, oh, mm, I mean, as long as she's sharing the check with the family, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, but yes, Lilith, mother of all demons. Okay, cool, interesting. And and the 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 early art shows like all of the heroes decked out in like variant costumes that are all sort of black and fiery and and sort of it looks like they're going in to fight a battle in heaven. Ah, hmm. I mean, I guess you you have to put, like, Iron Man and Captain America in it nowadays, but... It's sort of like how every DC direct-to-video movie has Batman in it. Yes. Like, like they have like they did the first Suicide Squad animated movie, but it was called Batman something-something mm-hmm. Arkham, Escape from Arkham or whatever, but it was really a Suicide yes. Squad movie. And... Uh, or uh, Justice League Dark, uh, for some reason they made Batman the leader. Or that... Suicide Squad movie where, you know, they had Ben Affleck dressed up as Batman and arrested Joker hmm. in a flashback. Yeah, that actually... Well, I mean, that one also had, had a Barry Allen cameo. That one... We disagree on the DC movies. I think I like them a little more than you Just do. Just a bit. I, I, will, I will acknowledge that the first Suicide Squad movie is messy and that one of its weaknesses is... Well, one of one of its weaknesses is that it was just so thoroughly re-edited and re-re-edited in an attempt to turn it into what the studio wanted. But the other problem is that it, it, it kind of suffered from the the Marvel Phase 2 problem of trying to do too much setup for future things. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you've got, like, the Batman cameo and the Flash cameo and all because they were trying to lay the seeds for whatever was going to happen in Justice League. Even though at that point no one even really knew what was going to happen in Justice League, so they didn't know what they were laying the seeds for. Yeah. Anyway, it, if you guys want to see us play this on Twitch or something, let us know. Yeah, I don't know when it comes out, but we'll keep yeah, an eye on it. Yeah, and I'm, I might even invest in a video, video game console. What is it, Atari? <laughs> uh, that might be a few generations out of date. All right, fine, I'll buy a Super Nintendo. Looks like it's coming out next year. Yeah, March 2022. Fine, a GameCube then. Jeez. <laughs> It is coming out for uh, Windows PC, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 5. Okay, so should be okay. You, you've got a Switch, right? Yeah, I do. I've got a Switch. Um, okay. I've been using it to turn on lights this whole time, but I guess I can play video games on it, too. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I think that is basically everything that I had down for Hellstrom yep. Watch. So we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with Tomb of Dracula number 23. Right after these messages. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. I'm calculating. Isn't it dark in there? Not for my new Anilite Solar Calculator from Texas Instruments. You have a Texas Instrument? Texas! Texas Instruments Anilite Calculator. Unlike other solar calculators, it works in almost... Anilite. Ooh, Dranfield. The new line of Anilite Solar Calculators from Texas Instruments. Imagine the Prince of Darkness with a solar calculator. <laughs> Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our first issue this episode is Tomb of Dracula number 23, Shadows in the Night. Cover date on this one is August 1974. Writer is Marv Wolfman. Artist is Gene Colan. Inker is Tom Palmer. Letter is John Costanza. Colorist is Petra Goldberg. Editor is Roy Thomas. Sheila Witter recounts to Dracula how she came to live in Castle Dunwick and the haunting of the house that has terrorized her since her arrival. It seems she has inherited the mansion from her uncle, who she had never met. Upon her arrival in a dank domicile, she and her boyfriend, Freddy, no ascot, go about exploring the house. As they descend the steps to the basement, however, a spectral hand reaches out and pushes Freddy down the stairs, killing him instantly. I'm just saying an ascot would have prevented that. Deciding that he wishes to make Sheila a replacement for his former mortal servant Clifford Graves, Dracula decides to get to the bottom of Sheila's torment. First though, she must satisfy first though, he must satisfy his hunger, going into a nearby town to feast upon an unfortunate young mother. While he is away, Sheila tries investigating the house herself and is confronted by the spirit of her uncle, who reveals himself to actually be her father, but also her stepdad or something? Whatever the familial connection, the specter leads the girl down to the basement, where his original body lays encased in gold as a focal point of the evil energy in the house. Dracula returns to rescue Sheila to the shock of the ghost who states that they serve the same master, Satan. Yet Dracula responds that he has no master, as he smashes the golden corpse of Alistair Dunwick dispelling the spirit and releasing Sheila Winter from the curse of the house so she may be cursed with serving him instead. It feels like it's been a very, very long time since Frank and Rachel have had anything to do with the actual plot. Taj makes an appearance. Taj does make a brief appearance following up on the the scene from uh, Giant Size Chillers yeah. where he gets the note telling him yeah, to come home. We, we, uh, we. But, but even in Giant Size Chillers... Frank and Rachel only appear via a phone call. You're right. 
It's been a minute. It has been a bit of time, yes. And, I mean, we get a Blade reference here. We do, now, we do. And we will be seeing him again fairly soon. I should, Okay, so I only make a brief mention in my summary, but there is a scene where Dracula feeds on this young mother, which is particularly mm-hmm. disturbing, because then we get a caption going into detail describing how she returns home three days later and turns her entire family. Then it tells how each of them die as vampires, with the father being killed by Blade, the mother and son dying of bloodthirst, and a daughter living for another century and a half. Yeah. It's a really, like, was that caption necessary, Marv Wolfman? I mean, I wonder if, I I wonder if they had been getting letters asking something like, what happens to all of these victims that Dracula kills? Do all of them stay dead? Do any of them come back as vampires? Like, I wonder if there was some sort of, like, something he was responding to by doing that. Mm. And it's like, okay, you want backstory? I'll give you backstory. I'll give... Like, that might be, like, not visually, but just in terms of, like, description, that might be one of the most gruesome things to have happened in this comic, ever. It... it, it, It's... It's really upsetting. It's... It's... Yeah. Quite upsetting. Yes. Um, Equally upsetting is the weird like incestuous haunting situation that's going on with uh with Sheila. Okay, so yeah, in the will, the uncle says, "I'm giving you the house because I've seen a picture of you and you're hot." Basically. Yep. Yep, that that is what happens. And yes. even though I've never met you, here's a house. And then of course, and then his and then his ghost is like, "By the way, I'm your dad." Yeah, I'm not your uncle. I'm your father or like I am the ghost of your mother's husband who she got put into my will and then killed me. So then I possessed her her lover and drove her insane, killing her. I'm yes. not sure which of those is the father of Sheila, but I right. feel like Sheila would have been aware of some of this before. You know, maybe she wondered, hey, what the hell happened to my mother? Right. Like, was Sheila there for any of this? Not clear. Yeah. Really, really not, clear. not clear. It makes the connection very weird, very hard to understand. Uh, also, all of this feels very dark shadows. Like, like we've got a case of haunting that might actually be a case of possession, and the vampire is going to deal with it all. Like, that feels like an episode. That feels like not even an episode. That's like a week of Dark Shadows episodes right there. I've seen very few episodes of Dark Shadows, so I'm going to take your word for it. I mean, it's a soap opera about... A vampire and ghosts and and monsters. The Collins family, yeah, yeah, and it's all and everything always comes back to family drama. Okay, okay. Uh, that said, we don't really get the exorcism that the cover promises. No, unless by exorcism they mean Dracula picks up a golden statue and smashes it. Yes, because that's not an exorcism. No, that's smashing a gold corpse. Right, Which right. I'm not sure why the corpse is gold. Because it's a, it's supposed to be an idol. Okay. Uh, like, the idea is that the that the blasphemous nature of the satanic deal required, like, that, that idol worship being satanic, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't all hold together. I get what they're going for, but it just seems a little confused. Yeah. It's just... All said, all said this is not the best issue of Tomb of Dracula we've had. No. But I'm not sure it's the now, worst. That's, it's not. 
And even a so-so issue of Tomb of Dracula is still better than most other comics coming out in 1974. Yeah, yeah. It still has very heavy, like, hammer horror themes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's... I, I really do think that not having our our team of vampire hunters involved at all is part of the problem. Like, when you take them out of the equation, it forces Dracula to be less villainous and more anti-hero. Yes, and... And that... We're not at a point where we're invested in that. No. I feel like it would have been better if, you know, maybe, like, they were trying to save Sheila Witter from Dracula. At the same time, Dracula's trying to save save her from the ghost, because Dracula wants her as a servant. Whereas Frank and um, Rachel could just want to just save her outright. Right, right. So that would have worked, I think. Yeah. Like I say, the not having heroic characters forces the the prota- forces Dracula to be the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And and that just doesn't always work. Um that said, uh the Gene Colan art is pretty yeah, good. Pretty good. Um like not my favorite of his work either, but it it works. It's good. Mm-hmm. It it like you said, got it's got a very hammer horror kind of vibe. Although is the um, cover Gene mm-hmm. Colan? That's a good question. Um so that's it's what this is twenty three. Yeah. Uh no, Gil Kane. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, that explains a lot, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does, and it explains why I don't like it that much. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. The design is fine. I just don't like the detail work. Yeah, yeah. It just looks muddy. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like I say, it's it's fine. Um, I, I think some of the problems that that I'm noting get resolved with going into the next issue, my understanding is we're reaching a point where some of our heroic characters will start to show up again, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I don't know, this this whole haunted mansion thing is a tangent that it feels like this book has been on for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really only been, like, two or three issues, maybe, and that's including Chillers. But, I don't know, it, it didn't do much for me. I mean, Chillers basically was a Tomb of Dracula... Issue. I mean, it, 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 was. it was the Tomb of Dracula issue for that week, basically. That month. Right, it's, right. And and, and and it'll get renamed as such soon. Yeah. Because it becomes Giant Size Dracula, doesn't it? I, I think you're right, yeah. I think the main purpose there was to give us Lilith, and that was mm-hmm. it. I think, I, in fact, we talked about it at the time, I still believe that, like, that was the plot to that issue's Tomb of Dracula. And they're like, hey, we need a Schiller's issue, and we want this daughter Dracula character. And I'm like... And so they shoehorn shoe that in. in make a yeah. giant size, boom. And I'm like, crap, we still have the Tomb of Dracula issue to get out for this week. Um, B-plot, go! Right. And and, and and here we are, still stuck in the B-plot. No, this is the A-plot. Well, yeah. Because this is the story that carries over from Chillers. That's true. That's true. We didn't get a carryover of the Tomb of Dracula story. That's true. This, I guess it just feels like B-plot because it's not really advancing no. anything. Except... Maybe Dracula has a new servant. Right. I just don't right. see this lasting that long for him because, well, he's evil and she obviously isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clifford Graves, he was weak. Like, he was he was yes. weak and he was greedy. And that's how he got um, drafted into Dracula's service. Right. But Sheila is neither of those that we see. Right. So I don't know how long her service under Lord of Vampires is going to last. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that it's very long. One, because 
not a character name I'm familiar with, and I, I, I know of most of the major recurring characters in, in mm-hmm. this book. Uh, we do get the uh, we do get a one panel cameo by Lilith, which takes up about a fifth of a page, and is basically just there so that they can hype that Chillers is still available on yep, newsstands. That's what it's there for. It's like, hey, this comic that has this hot lady in it, it's there. Yep, you're reading Dracula. It's got Dracula. You should buy it if you haven't already. E- even the the fight between Dracula and the ghost just wasn't really what I wanted it to be. No. And like we were talking about, the plot was muddy, so... Yeah, so you're not really sure what the stakes are mm-hmm. or who this guy really is. Yeah. And it just, the fight gets so physical so quickly when it seems to me part of the fun of dealing with a ghost as a villain is that you have to problem solve and do things that are not just punching it yeah. in the face. I think if Wolfman had been allowed to go, I think, with, with what we believe to be his original trajectory with this story, mm-hmm. where Sheila Witter being the entire focus of maybe like a single issue, and at the end of that, she's mm-hmm. Dracula's new familiar, that yeah. would have made more sense. But because we do have this gap between Chiller and we've got Lilith Shoehorn in there, it just comes out messy. It does. It does. Now, that said, that said, I am Dracula Ghost, and I am a greater hell than any you could ever imagine. That's good dialogue right there. Oh, yeah, there. it's fun, and I, I like the idea that Dracula's like, yeah, I don't serve Satan. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> like, Satan is a means to an end for me. Right. Step aside. That's good stuff. Yeah. It's like, who do you think I am? Damon Hellstrom? Johnny Blaze? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice, because it, uh, it means that, you know, not all of our Marvel horror characters are linking back to Satan. Yep. Yep. The church lady be pleased. So, <laughs> so yeah. It, it's I, I'm ready for this story to move on. And it feels like, with the, the destruction of this ghost, maybe it finally yeah. is. Let's hope so. Anyway, we're, we're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back with our look at Vampire Tales number six right after these messages. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. There's this weird guy on Channel 9 this fall, and I guarantee he'll give you nightmares. His name is Freddy something or other, but immediately following Freddy, I'm back. Now, if I'm Mistress of the Dark and Freddy's going to give you nightmares, I would think twice before falling asleep Saturday night. Remember, don't miss a nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmare, and me, Elvira, Saturdays beginning at 10 p.m., nowhere else but Channel 9. Elvira's Movie Macabre, tonight at 11. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our second book for today is Vampire Tales number six. The cover date is August 1974. The editor is Roy Thomas. Our cover artist is Boris Vallejo. And our first story we're going to cover in this magazine is uh, listed as the Axeman. On the cover, I believe it just says Lilith, daughter of Dracula. 
the writer on this story is Marv Wolfman and Steve Gerber. I believe Marv Wolfman did the plot and Steve Gerber did the script. Artist is Bob Brown. The inker is Tom Palmer. And the colorist is non-existent because it's a black and white mag. Lilith, the daughter of Dracula, interrupts two muggers assaulting a woman in a dark alley and drains them of blood. Elsewhere in Manhattan, Martin Gold is making a sandwich when his common-law wife Mary Jane screams from the other room. Martin rushes in to help and discovers her dead and covered in blood. He faints, and when he awakens, he calls the police, who promptly arrest him, instead of doing any investigating whatsoever. Martin spends that night and most of the next day in a holding cell, only to be released when two more similar murders occur while he was locked away. Avoiding home, Martin wanders the streets of Greenwich Village when he meets Angel O'Hara, a mysterious woman with red hair and a musical voice, who invites herself over for the evening. Martin goes out for burgers, and Angel narrates some much-needed exposition. She's compelled to seek out and help men like Martin. She's two months pregnant, and she senses that there is yet another life lurking within her. Just then, Angel's shower is interrupted by the same axe murderer who killed Mary Jane. Suddenly, Angel transforms into Lilith, who uses her vampiric powers to defeat the killer, breaking his axe. Trapped, the killer reveals what we probably all assumed. His massacring of women is rooted in deeply held sexism and misogyny, which he blames on his daughter. Lilith kills the man, draining him of blood and leaving his body to be found elsewhere by the police. And when Martin returns with dinner, Angel is waiting for him in front of the television. Well, this... That was that was a yeah. story. Um, something I'll point out real quick. This is really clean artwork. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, that that might be the best thing about this story is is that uh, Bob Brown Tom Palmer art. Oh yeah, it's just, it's just so clean. The, like the lines and the artwork, and even like the panel work is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, it's pretty rough. Yeah. What the hell, dude? <laughs> what the Mar- Martin? Martin. <laughs> It is now time for a very special segment on Two of Ideas we like to call A Word with Martin. <laughs> what the hell, Martin? Your your wife. Your wife just died. So, technically they're not married. The, the story makes that very clear. Common law wife. That means they've been living right. together for years. Sure. They obviously, sure. I mean, he obviously loves her. Yes, that much is true. Like, he can't walk. He doesn't even sure he can eat or breathe or sleep or whatever. And then, boom, he meets Angel, and it's like, who? So, I I keep doing yes. this. I'm going to say something in defense of Martin. You would. The artwork suggests that he is under her vampiric influence. Right before they go home, the last panel of that page is a close-up of her eyes with little twinkling stuff coming yeah. out of her eyes. I am willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that he is under her influence. Okay. And I'd agree with you, except for uh-huh. we have something very similar happen in two, Tales of the Zombie, which yes, has no vampiric yes. influence involved. Yeah, apparently in the Marvel Universe, men do not spend much time mourning for anyone. No. Unless they are Peter Parker and it's yes. Gwen Stacy. 
and even there, you could make an argument that Mary Jane comes in really, fairly quickly. Right, right. It just seems like for us on this show, every time Peter Parker has shown up lately, he's had Gwen Stacy on his mind. Well, yes, it is true. Like th- Martin, Martin, this is not going to look good to the police. No, not at all. Not like, at all. Your old lady is killed this morning, and you got a new lady by this evening. I mean, come on. No, sorry. You're okay. Your old lady is killed in the evening, and you got a new lady by the morning. It's just like, wow. And like the last thing the cop even says is basically, "We've got our eye on you." Yep. Yep. I wa- see. Now I wonder if Mar- Martin's going to show up in next issue. Hmm. Like, is this going to become a thing where like the cop is harassing him? He's like, "Hey, who's this new chick you got living with you?" Because they have no way of knowing you- that like the axe murderer has been caught and killed at this point. You, you want to know something what? funny? Uh, Lilith does not appear in the next issue. Does Martin? There's does no follow-up. Okay, no. does Martin ever appear again? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> hold on. Actually, hold on. First appearance, that suggests okay. more. He does. Where does he... Sh- there are... God damn it, there are ten appearances. <laughs> How are there ten... Okay. So it looks like Lilith being in Vampire Tales is not long for this one. Okay. Um... Because his next appearances are most... So we've got, like, some Dracula Lives appearances, um, an issue of Marvel Preview, some Tomb of Dracula. Okay. Uh, his most recent in-story appearance was in The Legion of the Night, which was from October 1991. Well, obviously we got to keep the show going just so we can get to that appearance. <laughs> this is one of the two of ideas, the Martin Gold... Um, uh, index show, <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah, so yes, this is not the last time we will see Martin Gold. The the, the last appearance is him finally getting his sandwich. It's just it's <laughs> really really cathartic. Like it'd be hilarious if every issue has a scene where he goes to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and gets distracted yes. from it by some horrible event. Yeah, I could really good for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right now, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so childhood. But yeah, another thing that just stood out to me about this is it reminded me a lot of the way Satana was introduced. Yes, with the attack in the alleyway, the uh, the implied attempted violation. Yeah, yeah. And even just like Lilith's I'm going to take revenge on all evil men or whatever, like had a very Satana kind of vibe. Yes, and then Satana shacking up with somebody and solving a crime, basically. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. I seem to remember the Satana story doing it better. It did. It did. But but this feels very much like it worked for Satana, so we're gonna try it yes. again here. That, that that seems to be what they were... what the thought process was. What I'm was. curious about is where are they going with the whole fact that Angel's pregnant? That is a good question, too. I do not know. Because they make pains to point out that this I guess host body something is like pregnant. that. So I it'll be interesting to see how much track they keep of this. And and this is um and this is the body that she possessed in giant sized chillers, right? Yes. Right? Cuz it's the the girl who's um a lo- who's with her bo- with her boyfriend slash baby daddy. And yep. the father comes and kills the boyfriend or the the the, the, hus- the new right. husband on their honeymoon, basically. Right, right. Um, at which point Lilith possesses her and and she kills. The yes, father. 
which this is another father that she kills. Yeah, yeah. So, is killing dads going to become a theme for this series? Well, I mean, not just in terms of Angel, but Lilith herself. Like, there are daddy issues there, right? Yes. So, yeah, that's what it seems like. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is a weird one. Uh, Like, like... Again, like like you said, the best thing about it is the art, which really is well done. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm looking at something. Huh? Okay. Martin Gold has more appearances than Angel O'Hara. Yes, this is true. She has eight. Because I think I think at a certain point they they abandoned the Angel O'Hara part of Lilith's identity. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So apparently sometime in the future, Shadowcat of the X Men gets possessed by Lilith. Okay, that okay, sure. Yeah, so that's that's apparently just a thing Lilith does is possess women. Okay, interesting. I, and I guess that's the thing that is sort of missing here is we're only sort of obliquely getting any kind of story or even like explanations, motivations. I don't so know. So apparently, the axe murderer who kills Martin's um, common law wife is killing right. all. I guess what he perceives as promiscuous women. Women, basically women who are not married but are involved with men. Yes. Be- because his daughter was involved with a man and became pregnant. And died in childbirth. And and died in childbirth and the the father abandoned her and all that. And so he's he's taking, re- because he's a sexist and a misogynist, he is blaming the woman in yep. this situation and is taking, taking his revenge on yeah. other women. I mean, I guess they thought they were being progressive. I mean, for the 70s, sort yeah, of. Yeah, and they're being a bit risque because they're talking about sex and, I'm, you know, and and, and, and they're, just, they're being progressive, but in a very, like, salacious, exploitation-y kind of way, which I guess is what we, we ought to expect from a horror yes. magazine. I mean, it's progressive in the way that, like, a late 70s Roger Corman production is progressive. Yes. Like, let's talk about prison reform. But also, let's put these very attractive ladies in prison. Right, right. So, you know, it... Again, it's not terrible, but it's not... It's not doing anything that that, that Satana story didn't do better. Yeah. It's... It's... It's a story. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth... Um... There's a couple of other things just in this magazine that are worth pointing out um the uh letters page is mostly not all that interesting except that there's a weird number of people praising the morbius blood tide story that's been ongoing for a while the main one yeah the one like the one that's like the one with the one with the cult yeah. like the lovecraftian cult the one that said hey story set in maine horror story set in maine are really popular right now wonder we should we, we should do a horror story set in maine right Right. By the way, horror story set in Maine never catch on. <laughs> but yeah, so several of the letters weirdly are very impressed with that story, which I don't think we cared for no. as much. But then again, we have had fifty years of Stephen King novels. This is true. This is true. But also, to me, just in terms of like comparing what's going on with uh, Morbius in his color book versus this magazine. The, the regular comic is so much oh, more yeah. interesting. The Steve Gerber Madness? Yeah. 
give it. Give, yeah, give like it. the the adventure into fear is like if you're gonna read one Morbius comic, yeah, that's it. D- definitely, I I don't know where you're, why you're reading. I don't know. I guess people see it as less silly, so it's more serious. So I don't know. Yeah, I also wonder. Like everybody in the letters page is praising the Morbius story. There is not a Morbius story in this no, issue. No, there is not. Um, there is in the next issue. Huh. So next issue continues the the uh, the demon fire cult stuff with Amanda Saint. Okay. We're still not done with Amanda. that. Uh, so I, I wonder. I wonder if something delayed that story being ready for this issue, or if it got pushed because they wanted to showcase Lilith more. That Lilith was going to be on the cover, so they made it the main feature. Yep, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that that's that's a thing. Um, there's a, a prose piece by Chris Claremont, which I think is the conclusion of his ongoing sort of summary analysis of that vampire history book that he's been doing articles on for a while now. Yeah. Um, only thing really worth noting there is that it's got some really cool Pablo Marcos art throughout. Yeah. It's, it's, but I think it might be recycled Pablo Marcos artwork. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's all from other stuff, but but it's still well-rendered it, it here. It purdy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that brings us to our second and final story from this magazine, Angie's Soul, written by Chris Claremont, art by Andreas Balsells. Here we go. We open on the body of Willie Hansen, a drug-addicted Vietnam veteran who just died on the street. His body is found by Jimmy and Angie, when suddenly a body is thrown through a window overlooking the alley and comes crashing down in front of them. Jimmy, apparently a cop, goes to investigate. Angie, apparently a reporter, follows along, despite being told to wait. Inside the tenement is a pile of bodies, broken, contorted, but without any blood anywhere. Jimmy hears footsteps and goes to the roof, where a shadowy figure in an opera cape is running from the scene. Jimmy fires, but the bullets have no effect, and the man leaps off of the ledge and disappears. Back in the room with the bodies, Angie has found a button that matches a custom cape she gave her brother Tom for Christmas. Noting that the killer wore a cape, and that Tom has strong opinions about junkies, Jimmy suggests that Tom is a suspect. Angie disagrees, noting that the fang marks and bloodless bodies suggest a vampire whereas Tom goes out in daylight and attends church services. Jimmy rejects Angie's theory, which she has apparently suggested before, revealing that none of the dead junkies have risen from the dead. Angie then gives a more detailed rundown of her theory. In the mid-1950s, when Russia invaded Hungary, Russian soldiers began mysteriously dying with no killer ever being caught. As the army moved to Prague, the killings followed. Eventually, the pattern shifted into Western Europe and attracted the attention of Interpol and the CIA. Around Christmas of last year, the killings stopped, only to resume in New York six weeks later. Jimmy and Angie visit Tom at a meeting of the Defense Association of Harlem, a vigilante group. Jimmy tries to confront Tom, but Angie notices another man in the shadows wearing Tom's cape. She brandishes a cross, proving that there's a vampire in their midst, But the vigilantes already know that. They made a deal with him, so that he could prey as much as he wanted on the junkies they see as a problem, 
as part of that deal, the vampire is allowed to turn one person each year as a kind of sacrifice. He chooses Angie, who promptly flees from the scene as Jimmy is apparently killed by the crowd. She goes to a priest for help, but he too is in on the agreement that the vampire's so-called protection is necessary. After all, drugs and crime are down, and the streets are safer, and the only price was Angela Freeman's soul. Trey. Yes? Why'd you make me read this story? (laughs) Because it's technically set in the Marvel Universe. It made me sad. It is a sad story. Why? How how, how is it set in the Marvel Universe? Did I miss Captain America in the background somewhere? No, but Angela Angie Freeman has at least one other appearance in a Daughters of the Dragon story from 1981. Oh, goddamn you to fucking hell, Trey Lawson. (laughs) Because apparently she knows Misty Knight. This was really sad! It was very sad. Like, really sad! Yeah. The moment where the priest reveals he's in on it is like a punch in the face. Okay, that, that's actually my one problem with the story, besides the fact that it's really fucking sad. There is no reason the mm-hmm. priest should know that they've agreed to sacrifice Angie to the vampire. Right. Un- unless for some reason they called ahead. Yeah. But and, and so that takes me to a bigger problem in the story, which is that there's a lot of stuff that the story doesn't explicitly say that you just have to go along with. Like? So, so like... At, like, early on, it is not immediately obvious that Jimmy is a cop until he starts doing cop stuff. <laughs> I'm a cop and I'm doing cop stuff. What? I mean, right? Like, 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 he pulls a gun. Nothing in the image suggests he's a cop. He's just a guy with a gun. Although, surprisingly enough, the minute he pulled a gun, I suspected he was a cop. Well, right, because, so, the script says, uh, call for help code three, which suggests there's a radio yeah. in the car. But, like... You still just sort of have to go along with it. Like, no, all of these narrative captions. Yes. And not one is like, Jimmy's a cop. It could have been as simple as that. Similarly, Angie being a reporter. Like, we only find out because, like, a couple pages in, she says, If my editor heard I was here. Jimmy's a cop. Angie's a reporter. They hunt. Bullshit. <laughs> this is like the worst episode of X-Files really? ever. I mean, like, oh, and yet... We fell for Angie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Similarly, uh, in terms of just having to go along with things, um, were you genuinely surprised that Jimmy was dead? Because I was. Because, so you see him get hit in the back of the head. Yes. But that didn't look fatal. But then the caption is like, and Jimmy is dead. (laughs) So, but yeah, it's weird. But also very sad. It's sad and weird. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just, uh, man. And it's another one that I think is, like, trying to be progressive, but in mm-hmm. a exploitation-y kind of way. I mean, it, it 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 predates the Giuliani reshaping of New York by, like, a decade. Right, right. right. Well, and, and it, it's, it's very much about the sort of state of New York, or the, the, the state of being in New York. Yeah. Where people are having to make some tough choices about protecting themselves and the people around yeah, I mean, them. Just, just replace Angie with Times Square and the vampire with Disney. Right, right. Uh, but yeah. It's, I mean, it's a good story. I was really sad after I was done reading it, though. Like, Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It is, it is a far better story than the Lilith story. Yes. 
Like, in that we felt invested in character, and we felt the stakes of what yes. was going on. We weren't saying, like, Jesus Christ, Martin, what the fuck are you doing the whole time? Right. Or, oh, the real villain was misogyny all along. Wah, wah, wah. Or is that a more you know? Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah, might be the one there right there. there. <laughs> you know, those, the more you know it asks, it's really would have benefited from more vampires. Yes, yes. The um, more you but feed. Yeah, so, but yeah, for uh, for what it's worth, um, we we will technically we ought to come back to Angie in several years' time uh, when when we get to the early eighties. Okay, but you have to summarize that one too. Fair Put it enough. In the notes somewhere. Fair enough. Just... It's probably more fun because, like, Daughters of the Dragon means it's a martial arts story. Yeah, and the Chang Chi one was fun. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh of course uh figuring out where that other appearance falls was a little confusing because it's Bizarre Adventures number 25. Yep. Except there is no Bizarre Adventures 1 through 24. What? It took over the numbering of Marvel Preview. What? So so Marvel Preview, the the like one of the various tryout books that uh, although Preview was a magazine, but it was like I guess sort of an anthology magazine. I don't know. Wasn't Marvel Preview where like Star Lord debuted or something? Yes, it was a prestige. Yeah, with like painted covers, yeah. just like yeah. Well, evidently, around the beginning of 1981, mm-hmm. they retitled it Bizarre Adventures. Oh man, oof, that's mm. and uh, and yeah. In I think the very first issue of the newly titled Bizarre Adventures is where. Uh, Angie Freeman reappears in a martial arts story. Gotcha. So, you know. I, I Again, I just thought that was, like, weird, like, depths of the Marvel Universe trivia. And so I thought we would take a look at that story, too. Because there's really not much else in this magazine. And it would have been a really light episode if we had just done that one Lilith story. Yeah. And there's literally nothing else in this magazine worth talking about. Really. No, I understand. It's just... It re- uh it just it it's it makes you sad. Yeah, I will say they've really uh, cut back on the reprints, though. That that's one thing that uh, uh, readers had been complaining about in the letters that that Marvel has responded to is at least in this magazine. I don't think there's a single reprint. Everything is either a new comic or it's a, a prose piece. Anyway, I do believe Trey that does it for another episode of Tomb of I. Yes. That's right. You can always reach out to us uh, via email. That's tombofideas at gmail.com. You... On Twitter at tombofideas. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash tombofideas. And we are, of course, proud members of the Cinepunks podcasting group. That's right. That means that in addition to finding us at all of your favorite podcasting Podcatchers, apps, sites, wherever you look for podcasts. Our home base is on cinepunks.com. Uh, our back catalog lives there, uh, but you'll also find all kinds of other great shows and content, including Black Sun Dispatches, Horror Business, uh, the main Cinepunks show. Uh, we've got Cinema Smorgasbord, all kinds of great stuff in addition to movie reviews, music reviews, and general pop culture articles. Uh, to fit pretty much any interest. So make sure you check out Cinepunks.com. That's Cinepunks with an X. Very good. So until next time, Tomb Believers. 
Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tombers, Excelsior! Ha 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 ha